0: this is the unique smiles podcast a podcast featuring stories of people with facial paralysis and the challenges they've faced with your host brian april hey everybody it's brian april uh here with the unique smiles podcast and um before we uh, get going today. I just want to remind you: feel free to subscribe, uh, leave comments, feedbacks, reviews—anything we can do to, to try to make it uh, better. Also, want to send a, a quick shout out to our uh, our sponsors today at the Facial Paralysis and Bell's Palsy Foundation. They're a nonprofit organization uh, who are dedicated to raising awareness of facial paralysis concerns within the medical community and society at large. If you need support, they have support group meetings over there. They have events and all sorts of things over there. So just check them out. It's facialparalysisfoundation.org. That's www.facialparalysisfoundation.org. And while we're at it, I'd send one more shout-out to my good friends at RISE Physical Therapy here in San Diego, Fry's Physical Therapy has multiple locations throughout San Diego and is the only clinic that treats patients one-on-one with a provider for the whole session. Their individualized approach to therapy helps patients of all ages and diagnoses. They also have access to other facilities and wellness modalities like whole-body electric cryotherapy that no other facility has. So check them out, uh, risephysicaltherapy.com, R-I-S-E, physicaltherapy.com risephysicaltherapy.com. I am uh, super excited for today's podcast. Uh, my guest is a New York Times bestselling author, beloved television broadcaster, one of the biggest podcasters around, a barbecue guru, a member of the WWE, NWA, and National Wrestling Halls of Fame, and a three-time champion against Bell's Palsy. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm honored to talk to the one, the only, Mr. Jim Ross. Jr. thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule today.
1: Oh, Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, junior you're currently touring the country, and you're doing knocker Sessions, which is a Q&A and meet-and-greet with fans. And you have one upcoming yep. Friday, April 6th at 10 a.m. at the Hilton Garden Inn, New Orleans Airport. Tickets are $85. And available on Ticketfly.com, and included in that price, you get to attend the session, an autographed copy of your book, photo opportunity with you as well, and a bottle of JR's Family Barbecue All-Purpose Seasoning. How excited are you for this this event coming up?
1: I well, love the intimacy of the 100. We have 100 tickets for sale, so uh, I love the fact that we've got to, you know, it's just a small group. I tried it out before we brought it to New Orleans, and it worked out beautifully. Because everybody, even when you're in line, you're already in the, in the venue. We all know that we're here for the same thing. Uh, and this, at least, at least things. So, uh, you know, it gets, everybody gets a free book and a, the Q&A and the pictures and the autographs. So what I'm basically saying is that every ticket for us uh, is a VIP ticket because you get everything. And that's, for, but we're only doing a hundred. So you're not, you're not rushed through. You're not hurried. It's just a more relaxed, uh, memorable experience. Hopefully that's the idea. So, uh, you know, ticketfly.com is, uh, your ticket source there. And there are not many tickets left. I will be honest about that. Uh, but there are some. And, uh, but the easiest way of finding out just log on to ticketfly.com and, and check it out. The Sovereign knocker sessions the Friday of WrestleMania week.
0: And we'll talk about that a little bit more in depth too. But one of the things that's in this package deal is your autobiography and it's called Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling. now this book has reached number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. And if people can't make it to New Orleans and still want to get a copy of this book, where can they find it, Jim?
1: Uh, uh, Amazon uh, is a great source among others. Amazon, uh, uh, Amazon UK, Amazon Australia, and of course, the primary Amazon account for North America, etc. cetera. Uh, so Amazon's good. The uh, Barnes & Noble stores, when I mean, they keep it in stock, they have it. And I'm trying to think. Books a Million, another, another book group. There's a great place in uh, New Jersey, Bookends, uh, in Jersey. And they have some autograph copies left, I'm told. So And they all, they all ship. So uh, you can you can get the book and never leave your house basically, and then it's available in e-books. And then I read the audio book myself, which is very challenging, uh, by the way. And and not that you know I don't need a telephone here, but it was a hard. It was a hard uh, assignment because so I had to read so much personal stuff that we've written. And it was the, my wife's death is only about a couple months old, so it's a little bit challenging at times. So, uh, but Amazon, Barnes & Noble, normal things, and then I'll have books at all my appearances. They're selling my book at the, uh, Superstore Access for WWE, and I'll have my book at all of our appearances as well. So, uh, you know, we'll try to make it available uh, for you, and I like to sign them, and it's always fun to sign them. People are funny, you know, they always, they're bold. Would you sign it in blue and write this? (laughs) <laughs> sure, buddy.
0: <laughs> like it's a classic. You
1: but... it. It's your book. I'll be happy to help you out here. But it's just funny, you know. When I when I asked my first wrestling autograph, my hand was shaking like a leaf, and I I'm just saying please and thank you. And I don't, I don't think there's any much more of the conversation than that. But you know, now they tell you what they want you to say, and I've got some that, damn many cliches and stuff I've used over the years that you know wasn't well, fair for this guy. So he wants that on his autograph, or his book, whatever. So it's fun. It's fun, it's fun to talk about stuff like that. It makes you feel like you've been you, you turned into a little something along the way.
0: I've actually listened to the audio book because I, I just like hearing it from a person, you know, with their personality, and that way I don't have to read into it. And what I really liked about the book is it's not just about wrestling. I mean, there's a lot about wrestling, but it's it's a story about overcoming adversity and achieving your dreams, which is what this podcast is all about. And I think it's great that you don't necessarily have to be a, a wrestling fan to enjoy it. There are a couple of stories in there, which I think are, are worth the purchase price alone. I'm not going to spoil them, but I'll say there's a story about the two 600-pound brothers that I think is extremely funny. Uh, there's a <laughs> fascinating chapter about meeting and working with Muhammad Ali, which any sports fan should absolutely want to, uh, to get into. And my favorite one... I have to tell you, as a stand-up comedian, I don't laugh out loud at a lot of things, but your story about driving to Louisiana with your boss and a loaded forty four Magnum, I had yep. I had to pause that and rewind because I was laughing so hard. So,
1: thanks. Six, hey, uh, that's a true story too. And uh, the I have the book has been shopped. Uh, I'm meeting in the fellow on L. we our third meeting. About uh, maybe doing a movie or a TV show on Slobberknocker, <laughs> and stories like that, you can shut. You, you can on the audio book. You shut your eyes. You can see that whole scene. It's easy to. It's easy to uh, visualize. And you probably wouldn't write it if you're writing comedy, but under the circumstances, on you know who all the players are and what who they were and what they were, it was just perfect, and it works like a champion. And so, uh, a lot of those stories, and the, and it was just real stuff—stuff stuff that actually happened. You know, the, the two big twins, you know, and all that. It just—it was—it was hideous. The <laughs> things that you did, and it was so—it was so un-HR-like. You know, uh, it's just. It would never go today. I mean, you could, right. you, you'd be jail or something, or somewhere, you'd be someplace, somewhere where you wanted to be. I would think.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, but I anyway.
1: It's good though. It was. A, it's fun. So I'm glad you enjoyed that, and I'm, I'm always interested in hearing from people that actually heard the audiobook because they seem like they have a deeper understanding of what I was trying to get say.
0: Absolutely, and I think it's you know part of it is you can just hear when you emphasize certain words or when you're telling the story and you really, I mean, you've been a storyteller for how many decades and it really just paints the picture wonderfully. And if that, if that story doesn't sell a movie, then I don't know what will, that's such an amazing, amazingly funny story. One of the, I think the, the compelling parts of the book, especially for this podcast, you have gone through three bouts of Bell's palsy. And I was wondering if you could tell us maybe about a little bit about your first case. Uh,
1: It was uh, Super Bowl Sunday, making it toward the end of January 1994. My wife, Jan, was a flight attendant for U.S. Air, and she was taking a train from uh, Connecticut where we lived. I was working for WWE at the time, and, and we lived in Wilton, Connecticut. Uh, so I woke up on Sunday morning, you know, getting around, I was going to go pick her up at the train station from uh, getting off her trip. And I noticed that my face was hanging and my, uh, you know, a drooling on one side of my mouth. It was kind of ridiculous. And I was really, uh, like a, you know, my eye was just staring. It was just, I couldn't, I I wasn't blinking. And I, I wasn't, uh, It was just not not good. I had a migraine like headache. My ears were, hearing was sensitive as hell. So I went to to a minor emergency clinic. And uh, like many people who have asked me over the years, JR, did you have a stroke? No, I didn't have a stroke. But I'm, uh, I might if if people keep asking me about the stroke. But no, I haven't had a stroke. I've had Bell's palsy three times. So, uh, but I went to this guy and, he diagnosed me with. He said, "I think you have Lyme disease." <laughs> so you know, I, I I didn't have Lyme disease. So the next day, I when my my wife came home that night, and the next day we went to a neurologist in Greenwich, Connecticut, and uh, diagnosed me with Bell's palsy. And you know, this then two months later, I got relieved of my post because you know I, nobody knew anything about Bell's palsy, and nobody's gonna you know you, it's it's a touchy thing when you have to. Cut somebody from the herd because they can't, you know, under the circumstances where my face was and in my speech pattern, there's no damn way I could. Have, I should have been on TV. It's it's uncomfortable. I get it. I would I didn't want to watch myself either. Even in those days, uh, when I came back, and I still had a, some strong remnants of it. Scary thing to have doing what I did for a living because of two things. One, you're in the wrestling business, first of all. It's very unique. It's different, no doubt. I love it. I always have, always will. It's been challenging on marriages, my health, and all kinds of things. But I have no regrets, not one, uh, other than I wish I could stay healthier uh, and not have had Bell's palsy three times. But, you know, guys with a southern accent like mine, with well, you know, round cheeks like mine, and they can't smile like me are not supposed to be doing broadcasting to any degree. And uh, I've done a lot of, I've done CBS boxing, I've done MMA, I've done boxing on Fox Sports, I've done a lot of things since I've had Bell's Palsy and since I've not been doing wrestling every week. So somehow I have been able to to survive ageism, Bell's Palsy, and a, and a lack of a, of a cheerful little smiling face, and I made it. And I always believe the reason I made it is because I remember my dad said, quitting's the easiest thing in the world to get good at. And I just refuse to acknowledge my, my my shortcomings, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And that could be the ego too. Maybe, maybe I use my ego or my insecurities as a defense mechanism, but by God, I'm staying in the game. And, you know, if I get it, I just want my jersey back because I know I can play. That type deal. So it's, uh, and I like being competitive at my age and my stage of life. You know, I realize I'm on the back nine here, but so be it. That's, that's life. I'm blessed to be alive, man. So uh, I have a whole different attitude, especially when I've gone through pre the facial paralysis. It has threatened my career. It has put me in some embarrassing situations, but none of them killed me and i shrugged it off at least in public more often than not so it's a it's a a part of my life man, it's part of my journey and I know that I've I've had these for a reason, I don't know what it is maybe it's helping other people, I don't know but I refuse to let Bell's policy or anything else define me and I think that's the key thing, you've got to maintain your confidence and, uh, you know, hold out the fact that you're going to get well. I still believe I'm going to get better someday. Probably won't, but there's no proof of it. There's no medicine for it. Right. So I still believe I'm going to improve someday and wake up and my grandchildren who's in the ninth grade and the sixth grade will see their grandpa smile for the first time, other than a photo. So, you know, I still got that motivation.
0: And that's the but important I, thing. You know, I think that's the important thing, the attitude and the the love of what you're doing and the love of life. And I, I really love what you say about that. And I, I think that's so important to just happy to be alive, keep doing what you're doing and keep doing what you love. And when you first got that, what kind of helped you get back to work? Because like you said, you're in, a, in an appearance-driven industry, uh, kind of like stand-up comedy. I was like, well, I'm done uh, the same way. Nobody wants to see, you know, Quasimodo telling jokes up on, on stage. So uh, what, what what kind of helped you get back into work that first time?
1: Well, my wife was never, she had no fear of that. She, she did, she kept it to herself regarding my future as a broadcaster. Again, like I said, you know, you've got to be a special, right place, right time to make it under the circumstances I brought to the dance. What I, what I brought to the equation were not known as the most sellable attractive fastest to have you know it wasn't uh, so i had to overcome other things I, I think i've been successful in that regard of not quitting and working diligently to get better and i was always you know i always thought i was unique because the way i did look and the way i did sound but i was mostly unique because i had passion and the same passion that made me this uh, ridiculous wrestling fan at various times of my life to the detriment of, at times, quite frankly. Uh, but not the it wasn't the business fault, it was my fault for prioritizing the business of a family. I did that in a couple of marriages, not good. Not proud of it, but I acknowledge I made the mistake, I acknowledge it was a mistake, and I I learned from it. And I don't have, I don't know how to handle it. It's not I'm not saying that flippantly or cavalier like, well it happened, tell <laughs> You know. I just I know what well you did do. Uh, yeah, I messed it up. Yep, I learned from it. Nope, ain't happening again. All those things are true. So that's where we are with that. So I uh, hope they discover something. I wish they could flip the switch or give me a shot or or something that was not so invasive it was risky and risky, et cetera, et cetera, to uh, let me get my smile back. But at the end of the day, if I don't get my smile back, then uh, I'll, I'm going to continue to move forward. Because I will always find something that my skills, or what I perceive to be my skills, will fit. And right now, I've got plenty of projects going. You know, with WWE stuff, Uh, I do Friday nights. I do uh, wrestling voiceovers for Access TV's New Japan Pro Wrestling show, and they're getting ready to have a big live event coming up in uh, in about ten days on uh, Sunday, March 25th, I believe it is live from Long Beach. I'll be broadcasting that from ringside, live live, no net. So, uh, good old Mark Cuban and his money, I love him and it. I'm very lucky, I'm very lucky, I can tell you this, that the fact that, Brian, I am, the two guys that pay me to work and do what I love, I never worry about finding my check in the mail or it's cashing. Between Vince McMahon and Mark Cuban, I'm covered. I'm good. So. Uh, very blessed. So, like I say, that just speaks again to the, my spirit
0: mm-hmm.
1: and how I approach issues like we've had to do with facial paralysis.
0: I had a question for you. I'm not overly familiar with the process. There's a, a facial reanimation surgery, which wouldn't be effective for me. Is that, have you heard about that or looked into anything like that? Or
1: I have not. Okay. I have not. I've, I've, here's what I, I've basically come to terms that this is the hand I have been dealt mm-hmm. for, for now. And uh and I don't I don't put a lot more stock in it other than that. I'm kinda of like, okay, well that's kinda of where it is. So
0: Well I figured I would throw that out there in case that uh oh, was, was something I, that could could help. <laughs> I'm
1: always researching, I'm always Googling and that kind of thing. I haven't run across that, but I haven't looked in a while, but I'm not I'm not unhappy with what I have. I can't be unhappy with what I of what I am.
0: And I think that's important. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. So your first bout was 1994. You recovered, you went back to work, and then in 1999, you uh, get your second bout. And this time, this happened while you were broadcasting live on the air. Uh, And I was wondering if you could kind of just paint the picture of the chaos that's going on in that moment. chaos
1: going on is in my mind uh, because I'm becoming very confused, very scared, very insecure. And I'm doing—I'm the lead broadcaster on a live broadcast in uh, a, a hugely important region of the world for my company. And uh, so I—all this whole thing that sort started of being—my mind was filled with uncertainty and fear. Quite honestly, uh, I, you know, my 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 uh, my head started throbbing. And then I I had the uh, the hearing your hearing becomes hypersensitive, and I'm wearing headphones with the damn levels jacked up to do my job better, and uh, it was a very uncomfortable situation I can promise you. And uh, you know I, my eyes started uh, watering and it was horrible. It was it was just terrible. So but it's the unknown. You know the first time I got it it cost me. I think it indirectly. Because of my unknown condition and how I was going to get better, the company couldn't go forward with me in that role. I get it, and it's business. I got that. I have had to do a lot of these things myself that are unenjoyable. The second time I got it was, you know, my mother, my wife called me the day four, or that day, that day, and my mother had died suddenly at sixty-four, and that was a very stressful thing for me. And my dad had already been dead for two or three years. So now I find myself without parents. First time that's ever happened in my life. wasn't ready for that. And then, uh, you know, you go out and do a live broadcast, expect them to do well. You set a certain standard for your work, and you want to deliver. And all of a sudden, it's like being stepped out in front of traffic. I guess got ran ass over. So then I got back. Uh, we got back, and I uh, went to the, to back to the neurologist and palsy again. It got me on prednisone, but it was a very severe case of the uh, of the palsy. It was a little heavier than the first one, and, and the other side of my face. Uh, I was thinking, man, I dodged one bill. I have a little crooked smile, but everything else is cool. And now on the other side of my face, that's screwed up. I I may not get out of this little you know, my, with my career alive. I, I luckily I didn't do enough research on it find myself afraid uh, I I I do believe sometimes ignorance is truly bliss
0: I can't imagine like that happening while you're you're at work and and just threatening uh, feel like it's threatening your career one of the things that I found really interesting and I, I'm curious of, of your your thoughts on this is to get pulled back in to work and be requested to go on air with Bell's palsy uh, in Your Condition by uh, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and Steve Austin, who are, for people who don't know, two of the biggest stars of all time in uh, professional wrestling, and they've transformed over into Hollywood as uh, so the two of the biggest actors. They wanted you to call their WrestleMania match, They want the, which is the Super Bowl of wrestling. And your chapter about going back to call that match, I think, honestly, that hit me harder than anything in your book because you were uh, essentially describing me. You were basically narrating my life before I went back on stage for the first time. And I'm sure, you know, thousands of people who, who went back out and faced the public for the first time uh, with that going, could you just share a little bit of uh, that moment before you went back on uh, WrestleMania?
1: Well, apprehension. Yeah, you know, I, I had to fight my way through it. And again, the, you know, the old man's mantra I told you in the ninth grade was quite the easiest thing the world get good at. And I, I wanted to quit that day and just say, look, it's just not meant to be. I'm preparing my health. It's not good. Something's wrong Neuro- neurologically. I can't keep having this stuff, man. And, you know, it's just, it's breaking me down mentally too, because I was, uh, you know, deep depression the second time, because there things seem to stack up a little heavier and, uh, doctors are mystified having, a, having a malphalogy twice once they saw the face and to top that off, I have it a third time. So. I was afraid, but I wanted to finish the journey. I figured that would be my last match, to be honest with you. There were times during that day that I would have bet you anything I owned, that that match tonight with uh, Rock and Steve would be my last one. So I tried to call it that way. I had to hold my face up to enunciate, because I was still drooping. And it took a lot of balls to walk out there and uh, in front of a sold-out arena and on with television. You know, looking like he had had a stroke. And uh, I wasn't, I was self-conscious as hell of that, but that, I barreled through that deal. I had to. Because I think if I had quit and not gone through with it, for all intents and purposes, I would have found that quitting is easy to do. and I think I'd have done more of it. And but I had my dream job. And I, if I, if you want it back, you got to go play for it. And uh, that's kind of how it came down it in a nutshell. So, I, I, you know, I did it, and, and I'm, uh, I'm sure I could do better work, but nonetheless, my heart was in it. And the, the bottom line is this: you know, Austin and 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 uh, and Rock were, you know, two of my signees, two of the guys I was closest to, still am. But the bottom line: who made that happen was Vince. No different than last year, when I did the Undertaker versus uh, Roman Reigns match, right. the last match of WrestleMania man call and it's romantic to talk about the boys and Undertaker and they have a, a say don't get me wrong they have a say if, if it's brought up if it needs to be addressed they'll certainly have a take on it but the bottom line at the end of the other day is Mr. McMahon says yea or nay and you know he's he's been uh, he's been very good at how he booked me. he's booked me over the years so you know I'm, I'm proud of that, that aspect of it but you just I never thought of really I never thought of failing. I guess I had it in my mind I couldn't spit it out because I was I, it would sometimes depress me cuz I didn't know if I could succeed again. But I never spent a lot of time dwelling on failing. I just tried to unload the failure from my wagon if I'm going on a trip. it don't make it don't make the carry on. Ain't going to take it.
0: That's a, a great mindset and I think great advice for anybody who's who's kind of going through paralysis right now or just anything in life that's that's struggling. And we only have a few minutes left, so I want to make sure we uh, we get back to the slobber knocker sessions really quickly because in those sessions, you're doing a lot of meet and greets, you're doing a lot of things with pictures. A lot of people struggle with uh, the way they look and meeting people in public and pictures and things like that. But did going out for that WrestleMania match did that and being embraced warmly by the, the public and the crowd and your coworkers, did that help kind of change your mindset towards people that you meet or taking pictures as in people who like you are going to generally like you regardless?
1: I, oh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, my uh, my journey has been well documented. So anybody that's going to be a fan of my work or, or know who I am from most of name identity standpoint at some point in time they were a wrestling fan and so you know I, I and they they've seen my metamorphosis over the years you know i was i was doing some broadcasting when i got the first bout of bells palsy just starting out my run there i'd already done wrestlemania 9 it wasn't like was oh, some you know i was getting re- late relief duty in the mop-up division you know i I just it it's such a back, and, and I had to restart. Every I had to restart so many times, and that can become very challenging. But that's the key to survival. Sometimes is being willing, willing and able to restart, because sometimes it seems like it's impossible. I can't get back to where I was. Look, I don't know. Though, I ever have a, the great smile, the TV smile. But look, man, I'm 66 years old. People say you smile with your eyes. they're we love you still, J.R. Nobody cares about that. They right. know. And, uh, you know, in my tone, when I talk to them, uh, the fact that I look them in the eyes, the fact that I call them by their name, the fact that I care about who they are and why they're there and where you come from and, you know, what are you going to do this weekend type thing, uh, and then the engage in conversation is something I enjoy and it's something I feel like I need. And, uh, and I think it's a great example for anybody that has... Face paralysis. That I've the courage to go out and be on TV, not looking your absolute ideal best, is uh, what it is. And maybe, like I said, ignorance is truly bliss. I just I know it's challenging, and I've been told that. How do you do it? I don't know. Blah blah blah. I never looked at it that way. I just feel lucky. I'm back. I'm still in the game in some degree, and uh, nobody that has hired me lately cares about the fact that I can't smile. I've got another broadcaster in the world on television that cannot smile.
0: And that's, that's why you are one of a kind. And, uh, JR <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, before we let you go, uh, again, you have a, uh, upcoming slobber knocker session Q and a that's Friday, April 6th, 10 a.m. Hilton garden in new Orleans airport. Tickets are eighty-five dollars. It's a great VIP experience, and you can get tickets at ticketfly.com. There's only a few left, so I'll get there really quickly. Uh, I also want to plug. I know you're a barbecue guy. I'm a big brisket guy. I know you have barbecue products. Where can we find some uh, barbecue products?
1: Uh, Wwshop.com is probably the most blanketed answer because they can ship, uh, you know, pretty much anywhere uh we are working on some unique uh, opportunities to get into grocery stores it's challenging it's an interesting story to tell somewhere down the road but uh the uh, www.shop.com uh has our products and uh, we're very proud of them you know my, the original sauce was my mother's uh, uh you know motivation was her her basic taste was that uh, she made from scratch and then My wife and I came up with the the chipotle ketchup and the jalapeno honey mustard, which has a gram of sugar, and then, uh, so we got the seasonings out of this world, So we got real glasses and things. It's just, it's a small, niche thing, and I'm doing it, I'm going to keep it alive to see see it through, because uh, my wife and my mother are such big parts of the fabric of it, so I don't want to quit on that project. So we're going to continue to hustle it and, and finally someday we'll get grocery stores and people will find it out for themselves it's it is as good as we say.
0: And lastly, what is your social media where people can follow you when you make your big announcement for your new home for your podcast site?
1: Uh, probably it'll be on, uh, it'll have, there'll be a story on my website at uh the world's loneliest website, by the way. <laughs> And then we'll also be on uh, Twitter. Then will migrate to Facebook. I'm on Facebook at Jim Ross VVQ. Uh, and I'm on Twitter uh, at JRS VVQ. JRS Bar BBQ. And uh, uh, all full disclosure, I'll post some stuff on Facebook. I look at it a lot. I keep up with some of my buddies on it and friends. Uh, but the Twitter is all mine. So if there's something really, really stupid. I can't blame it on anybody else
0: but me. <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, Jr., thank you so so much for coming on today, taking time out of your busy schedule. Truly appreciate it, and this has been a, a fantastic episode. And I hope to uh, get to talk to you in the future. And one of these times, I'm going to come uh, see these uh, slobberknocker sessions because it's it's something that Great. I'm yeah, dying to do. So. Yeah, so, let
1: me know. We'd love to have you. All right. So, appreciate you having me on. All it's right. a very worthwhile topic and subject matter that you address but the bottom line folks sometimes we can't define why we got a hand dealt to us we don't know why and and the and the you can chase your tail for an answer and all you're going to do is run around in circles and get wore out fatigued done uh i you just i know it's simple for me to say except for anybody to say and then do it's a different thing but and you can't get too uh you can't get too sweaty over things you can't change. It's not worth it. It's Absolutely. not worth it, man. And so my 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 condition is I, I can look at it a lot of different ways. I prefer to look at it as it just makes me more unique. I sound different. I look different. I am different. And sometimes being different isn't a bad thing
0: whatsoever. That's right. Well, thank you so much for being on Unique Smiles podcast we will uh, talk to you soon and uh, again thank you for so much for everything and continued success